Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, David Reed, Emma Notstein, cast of thousands making it happen across the Outkick Network as we broadcast live from Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee at Blackbird Studios and the Blackbird Academy. Glad you're with us. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope you'll subscribe and uh, share the link on social media if you're following along on Twitter right now. If you're on Facebook as well, you can also subscribe to the podcast by searching out Outkick 360 content. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Good to be back. Day after a national championship game. We got some breaking news coming up at uh, 1.15 Eastern, 12.15 Central today that uh, we will let you know about at that time. But a game that we all wanted all season long in college basketball turned out to be the game that really no one wanted because it wasn't that great of a game. But Baylor was great last night. Just dominant. Uh, the, the two things that really uh, amazed me about Baylor, uh, Baylor, how they were so consistently able to have a big guy down on the low blocks under the basket for offensive rebounds. It was just stationed there, like planted like a tree. And every time a ball came off the rim, he was able to back out from under the basket and be in prime real estate to grab balls. And by the way, the rebounds were staying near the basket last night, uh, yeah. particularly the offensive rebounds. They were not careening uh, and bouncing out. They, they were coming down near the rim, and Baylor was consistently getting them back. And then uh, the, the Zags, just every time they closed, and I think all three of us felt good about their chances at halftime, it was really miraculous for them to get to, to within 10 at halftime on foul shots and on, on some, some fortunate plays. Every time they got it within, you know, where you felt like 10, 12, okay, they're in range. Baylor had some big answer where they got it back to 16. And the feeling... In that game, the difference between 10 and 16 <laughs> felt like a, a mile. Well, they got it to nine with about 14 minutes to play. And there was, a, there started, there was this feeling, okay, here come, here come the Zags. And then Paul mentioned it, quickly back to 16. And there that was, was a block killer. and a three, and it was 16 with about 13 minutes to go, and that was it. Yeah, I mean, it was nine. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was, didn't, didn't, clear my, didn't clear my throat before Do your the show. Do clearance for everyone. Um, I'm telling you, this pollen is ridiculous right now in, in Middle Tennessee. Allergists are. Um, so it was 9 Boom. to nothing. It was 11 to 1, right? They're up 19 in the first half. When they cut it to 10, you think they have a shot. Two fouls on Suggs quickly. It was either 58-49 or 68-59 at one point. That's the, 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 the shortest margin, the smallest margin in the second half, nine points. And then Baylor went on that run after that, and it was over. After that three by Flagler made it 16. That was, that's the killer. But it was, I think it was 67 shots in the game by Baylor to 51 for Gonzaga. So Outrageous. 16 more shots. It's incredible. Because Mark. of offense. And you talked about the tree. It was like they were planting themselves like a tree. Well, that tree was named Vital, yeah. who's a 6'5", stocky, just bull of a man down low. That, he was manhandling people on the low block and going wherever he wanted. It was it was a, an expert game plan by Baylor. But Mark Few said it well. He said, look, they were just way more aggressive than we were. He said we were playing sideways the whole game. Uh, that They really just got us out of our sets and what we wanted to do. And that was the story of the game from, from the jump. Baylor was so aggressive defensively. And I don't know if Gonzaga wasn't ready for it or Gonzaga just couldn't handle it. I mean, Baylor was just, I don't know how else you slice it, guys. And I'm, I was on here yesterday saying I thought Gonzaga was going to roll. Clearly, I was wrong. Baylor's just a better team. 
Also, uh, Baylor had a lot of foul trouble there. And Gonzaga, I thought, well, you know, here's part of their chance. They're going to foul some of these big guys out and, and kind of change the framework of the game by getting rid of these offensive rebounders, getting rid of these guys who are planting themselves underneath the basket. And Gonzaga did have a lot of baskets just going straight to the rim. Their, their, their guards their going game. straight to the rim. And they, they weren't taken out of that element of their game so much. But I thought, well, one way they can change things here with all this foul trouble is to foul people out. There was one, somebody fouled out relatively early, right? One of the big men with eight minutes left. Uh, but it didn't change anything. It, it, well, Baylor, Baylor was not Baylor's flummoxed much at deeper, all by uh, that. Than, they, they're than deep Gonzaga. with those big guys, and big football-type bodies. Consider... Gonzaga shot 51% and lost by 16 points. Yeah. That's how dominant Baylor was last night. Yeah, had a, had a higher shooting percentage than, than Baylor. Baylor was better from three, but that's not a surprise. Baylor was the best right. three-point shooting team in the country coming into the game. And I, I can't help but think if they don't have that three-week layoff because of COVID, Baylor may have been the first team since 1976 that we're talking about with an undefeated season. Losing only two games all year to Kansas and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 tournament, that was just a dominating performance. And we can talk about both sides of this last night with this game. But the job done by Scott Drew is one of the greatest coaching performances in the history of any sport. He took over a program in 2003 that just saw a player murder another player and the head coach cover it up. And they were facing huge NCAA sanctions. I was reading this morning at The Athletic, and I think it was Dana O'Neill who wrote it. Scott Drew signed a contract that was 26 pages long with a six-year deal to protect himself against everything that was coming with the NCAA. And Homer Drew, his dad, he said signed a contract that was two pages <laughs> when he originally signed at Valparaiso. But that was on purpose. But he gets there. He wins with optimism. Uh, it, former player said it's almost annoying how good of a mood he's in at all times, even after a loss. But taking over that program with no basketball history, they had been to one tournament in 1988. Before that, it was 1950. And then to get to nine NCAA tournaments in 18 years, to win a national title, it is difficult for me to think about a comparable coaching job that's done at a place where there was really nothing before. You can look at Mark Few and say, boy, he built a small Jesuit school in eastern Washington State into a national power, but they were good before he got there. They had that one Sweet 16 run. It had been done before. Damn, he built it into this national powerhouse, and it's a remarkable job. But what Scott Drew has done is incredible. And they Baylor. showed the clip from his introductory press conference. And look, you're, you're going there to rebuild an absolute disaster with massive you know, murder. Yes. It, it doesn't get worse than, than murder in your, in your program and a cover-up murder by the coach. And he's saying... Uh, you know, we're here to go to NCAA tournaments. We're here to win the NCAA tournament. That's, that's a laughable statement at the press conference, right? I mean, that's an all-time, like, paint the, as big a happy face on the program as you can. But at the, and looking at it now, it sounds great, you know, as he's doing it. But at the time, who's, who wasn't laughing at, at that? I mean, that, that's a ridiculous proposition for where the program you know, was when he took it over. Right after the NCAA sanctions came down, they had two years they could only play a Big 12 schedule in postseason bands. And they were getting standing ovations from fans at Texas and Kansas because of how hard they played in 25-point losses. And Bill Self is going to congratulate the players who stayed at Baylor and stuck with it after losses. But they go from that in 2004-2005 into this national powerhouse that, I mean, their staying power is real. They're not going anywhere. They're going to be contenders for years to come. There would be no reason now for Scott Drew to leave. He had plenty of opportunities to leave before and go to a different job, and he stayed and built this into a national power. The only comp I can think of is if uh, a Kansas football player murdered another one, their head coach covered it up, they hired a coach, and an 18-year Kansas football wins a national title. And that's the history of Baylor basketball. It's a Kansas football-type history, one of the worst programs in the Power Five, to now a national champion in the rubble of this awful mess that was left in the previous regime. That has, is what Scott Drew's accomplished, and it sounds like a long time, but 
That's 18 short years. It took him five years to get to the tournament, which was a remarkable accomplishment. He had a six-year contract originally, but then 18 years later to win a national title, it's And they've had some incredible. good teams in between there that yeah. could have achieved a Final Four run. They had that type of talent, but were, were upset along the way. And what's interesting, Chad, is despite everything you're saying, the headline today is Gonzaga misses out on their Cinderella season uh, capping off with the national championship unbeaten year. Let me squash this also because this is just a ridiculous take that I've seen from some media members, which is uh, irresponsible almost. Um, this idea that Gonzaga is not an elite program because they lost in the national championship game and they got beaten soundly by Baylor is absolutely asinine. This is an absolute powerhouse in college basketball. And they w- There's they no way around back. it. And for people that's blaming Gonzaga for their conference, yeah. uh, someone's tweeting me right now saying, well, they should join the Pac-12. Because the Pac-12's in a hurry to bring on a school that doesn't have a football program and add them to the conference, Gonzaga schedules everyone that will play them. They duck no one. They had games against Baylor and Tennessee canceled because of COVID this year. They will play anyone who will schedule them at any time. And here's how it works. All these power conference elitists out there that are saying, oh, well, this is just further proof that there's one guy saying Gonzaga doesn't deserve a number one seed. Funny, (laughs) I didn't see him saying Illinois didn't deserve a number one seed when they got blasted in the second round by Loyola Chicago. They got to the damn national championship game and they rolled the entire way until the Final Four. Of course they deserve we saw the two best a number teams. one seed. Yeah. But let me break it down to you simply for Ohio people. Ohio State lost, that, Texas that lost be, early. Well, the people Power that, that can't teams. seem to understand what this is. It's flip-flopped. What Gonzaga does is, yes, they play in a weaker conference. Their strength of schedule goes down once they get to January. Where Power Five conference schools, their strength of schedule goes up. I feel like we need Paul's mashed carrots for this. It goes up. But what your Power Five conference team does is they play terrible teams at times in the non-conference to get ready for a tough conference slate. It's flip-flop. Gonzaga plays all their tough games early in the season because that's what they have to do. And they will schedule anyone. They don't duck anyone. They win the majority of those games, if not all of those games, like we saw this year. They do that to stabilize themselves because they're going to go into a weaker conference and win pretty much every game. And, oh, by the way, there is an art to dodging the awful loss. Someone tweeted me and said, well, what do you say to a program that had five great wins and no bad losses but had a bad strength of schedule? I say, great. (laughs) How many Power Five conference schools can claim zero bad losses? Everyone's got bad losses in college basketball. It's just remarkable the verbal and mental gymnastics people will put themselves through to try to say that Baylor, I'm sorry, that the Gonzaga is not an elite program. They are an elite program regardless of what happened last night. I felt bad watching Mark Few in that game because you have to almost feel powerless helpless, because helpless. he was outclassed in every way, and he helpless. said it after the game. Well, you he said, look, this, this is not about us. We had a, a historic run this year that I'll always remember, but Baylor whipped us. There's no way around it. They were just simply better than us in every facet of the game. You could see him doing, trying to do the calculus in his head, looking up at the scoreboard yep. during that game. What do we need to? Yeah, like uh, we need to cut it by, you know, we cut it to hit to 10 with six minutes to go. Can we get it to five with a minute and a half to play? And you could see that turning, and it's every time he looked happening. up, the score was, was broadening. Well, yeah, was look, plus widening. the game that they played Saturday night, if you need some – validation of Gonzaga, which you shouldn't. I mean, they played an all-time classic game against a power conference team that was as hot as anybody in the tournament. Uh, And they played a a flawless game against the team that gave them a flawless game. So I I think if you're arguing against them somehow, that UCLA game tells you everything you need to know. There's no way to argue against Gonzaga. About them. I agree. But if you're trying, go. didn't you watch Saturday night? That's also not giving Baylor enough credit. Baylor would have whipped anyone last night. Oh, absolutely. And and we, I, I undercredited Baylor. And by Baylor. the way, Mark Few was quick to give Baylor credit. You oh, know? I know. To his credit, he was saying, look, this right is. Right away, it's all about Again, Baylor, Baylor could have been the undefeated team. <laughs> I really believe that watching them play throughout this tournament. And look at what they did, I mean, in the Final Four. They, oh. they destroyed Houston. I mean, it wasn't close for a minute. And they destroyed uh, the Zags. 
who were well they, beyond that's that though two they, really they good avoided teams. the upset despite not playing their best and I had mentioned right. that on Rutgers the show game they, where they, they, they were they sluggish were they were coming into the tournament and and Drew had mentioned it he's like look we're 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 not playing up to our capabilities and I hope that we get it in gear once we get to and that's Indy. the hallmark of and, a very good team and they they turned it on at the perfect time and they, because of their defense, it allowed them to struggle on the offensive end at times just to get going, not struggle. They didn't struggle like they did against Oklahoma State in the regular season in their loss. But they, they just were not in complete sync. They were in the Final Four. From Saturday to last night, no one in the country is beating them. And FanDuel's making me reassess my life because I'm picking games more than I would usually be picking games, and I'm horrible at it. I got that over, uh, you know, I was talking 81 and a half. For the Zags last night, I got it down to 77 and a half. Oh, you did, and I felt terrific about it. It's useless. Well, and also this uh, terrific, and they shot 51 percent, right? Right. I should have been in terrific <laughs> shape at 77 and a half. Well, I felt this, terrific. Look, this this uh, all of a sudden people trying to uh, flex on Gonzaga just really has me pissed off coming into the show today. But uh, this is where Twitter gets me angry too, and I, I'm going to fire off uh, on someone. But uh, if you want further validation about Gonzaga being a great program, they're preseason number one already. They're the Vegas favorite to win the national title again next year. They're going to be right back. No, we know Vegas and, and, doesn't know what people, it's talking people about. People want to say, well, <laughs> you know, they're going to they're have overachieving. They're getting five-star guys. Jalen Suggs is going to be possibly the number one overall pick, if not number two or three and it's in the NBA draft. As a freshman, he's a one-and-done. They've got their next Jalen Suggs in Hunter Salas from Omaha who is a 6'5", 200-pound combo guard, five-star player, already signed. They have Chet Holmgren, the number one player in America who's leaning towards Gonzaga, who is a 7'1", Dirk Nowitzki clone, How much who weigh? shoots threes. <laughs> he weighs 195 pounds. <laughs> He's got to go to the weight room. But he is an incredible <laughs> talent. They're going to plug and play and yeah. be right back in this spot. They, they recruit at an elite level. They can't help that they're in the West Coast Conference. I don't know what people that hate on Gonzaga want them to do about that. You can't declare that you're in the Pac-12. You can't just inform the Pac-12 office that we're now going to be in the Pac-12. You have to get the invite. If they're turning down a bunch of opportunities to go to major conferences, which they're not, then that's on them. But they're playing everyone they can in the non-conference. It's just ridiculous. But on the Baylor side of it, since we're also talking about the actual national champion, they're not going anywhere either. They've got their all-time best recruiting class coming in next year. They're going to lose four of their stars off this team, either to graduation or, or the draft. Or early NBA draft. But they're going to be right back. A lot to come on OutKick 360, another quarterback trade in the NFL. And now the NFL draft begins at pick number four. We'll, we'll explain that. And Chad mentioned it as we started the show. Some news locally for the Tennessee Power Hour that is coming your way at 12.15, 1.15 Eastern. Stick with us, Outkick 360 rolls on. Outkick 360, if you're following us on Twitter, at Outkick 360, you can see where Chad just tweeted out one of the four images, the renderings that you have for Vanderbilt Athletics and the facilities upgrades, the news Early last week, $300 million in facility upgrades for the athletic program. We didn't see any mock-ups of what they're thinking about doing, though. Chad has those, and we will put those on the screen at 12.15 today. Yeah, it's great news uh, for Vanderbilt fans, uh, Vanderbilt alumni, people uh, anywhere that wanted Vanderbilt to make an investment into athletics that they haven't really made in the past. Um, great news all around with $300 million being allocated for athletics and mainly for football and basketball, which we've been pushing the whole time. These are the money-making, money-driving sports on any major campus. And Vanderbilt is putting those resources to use. And we're going to have full mock-ups of a map that I've tweeted out of where everything will be and what it'll look like. And then some actual artistic renderings of some of the luxury areas uh, around that fans can take part in also. So really cool. That's coming up at 1.15 Eastern, 12.15 Central. We shall discuss very thoroughly. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Augusta National is where we turn the page. We gave you the odds on the Final Four yesterday in the championship game. 
And now FanDuel Sportsbook, you bet $5, win $100 on golf's biggest event. Just to make the cut, you can take Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, or Jordan Spieth to make the cut. You bet $5, you win $100 with FanDuel Sportsbook and the link fanduel.com slash OK360. You make an initial deposit of at least $10. You claim the offer by clicking on the banner at the FanDuel homepage. I will say, uh, Jordan Spieth coming off his first win in some time. In, in nearly 1,600 days. Yeah, and uh, we're all Spieth fans when he was rolling. Uh, I remember we had a big conversation on people we'd pay to watch, uh, and Hutton pulled kind of a rabbit out of his hat, and, and Spieth was his answer, which was a good answer at that time. That, is, that has changed. It has not been years. a good answer for the last 1,600 however many days. Uh, because he's not been a sight to see during that period. He might be a sight to see over the next uh, week. Hun, you know what I'm going to say to this? Go ahead. How are people not signing up right now for this? An offer like this? To make the how, cut. Dustin Johnson's how are you not, the cut. If you're not I mean, already on. By the way, Dustin Johnson. If you're not Johnson, on FanDuel, how are you not signing up right now for that offer? Dustin Johnson is, is, the, is the favorite to, to win, to win the, whole the Masters in Vegas. So he's so. making the cut. Uh, you would think so. And the Jordan Spieth is 10-1 to 1, last I checked. Uh, he's right there, right behind Dustin Johnson after his win. Spieth won his third major, I said 1,600 days, it was 1,300 days. 82 events between victories uh, when he won this past week at the Valero Open. But, but here's the stat that just blew, blew my mind when I saw it. He's still, in the past 40 years, only Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Roy McIlroy, Justin Thomas – and Jordan Spieth won at least 12 times before turning 28. So he's gone still. that he's gone 82 events between victories, and he still qualifies for that group before he turns 28. What happened to him? It'd be great to see. Well, he had been Have close. you read anything he, significant about like uh, uh, did he lose something in his swing? Is it his putting game? Like I. I'm not familiar enough to know, but it was it's, quite a disappearance. It's like he caught even lightning. If he was, even if he was cool. Well, his putter was so hot for a while. It's yeah. like he caught lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Such a fickle And then game. that lightning got out of the bottle, and it just hasn't yeah, returned. Couldn't get it back. And now the hope, I mean, there's a lot of people going to the Masters hoping that this continues for Jordan Smith. Oh, yeah. We're he's, a, he's a hell of an attraction when he's playing great. By the way, for Dustin Johnson not to make the cut, he has to fall down a well. <laughs> well, he fell, he fell down steps uh, at one time uh, and throughout his back a few years back whenever we were there for the practice round. So Tricky back. Yeah. Um, Brooks Kepka. speaking of injuries, coming off of knee surgery in March, and he's attempting to play. It, the quote, it's question. the quote was, if I knew I was going to finish second, I wouldn't have shown up. I love that. He played four holes on Monday, or was it Sunday, and... Um, and is, is attempting to give it a go coming off knee surgery on March 16th. He dislocated his kneecap. How? And that's, uh, he was playing at home with the, with family. Dislocated oh, his kneecap. Just messing around? Yeah. And uh, just a freak accident. So. That sounds painful. Now he's trying to give it a go. And he's 40 to 1 on the odds with uh, knee surgery. I was uh, conflicted this last weekend uh, with my betting because I wanted speed to win. So I put money on Saturday night when he was in the lead on speed to win, but it was, uh, you know, the odds were just even. Like I put $5, win $5. Mm -hmm. I also put $5 on Charlie Hoffman, who was three strokes behind, and it was like a 30-to-one payoff if he won. And it got close it did. at one point. So I, while I wanted to see speed, I even. was also thinking, be okay for me if uh, Charlie Hoffman won also. So you came out even? Yeah, basically. Our friend, I need to do more coming out even. Our yep. friend Brent Snedeker, 200 to 1 odds to win this week in Augusta. He's and due. Speaking of Brent, he's in the photo with PK. You can see the master shirt over the shoulder of Paul, the great master shirt. And here is the day that he wore this at Augusta National. Uh, us with Catfish Jake on the left. Our host. And Brent Snedeker, uh, one of the nicest guys in sports, uh, in, in just period, that you'll meet. Um, fantastic guy. We are rooting for Brant Snedeker to win in Augusta. Oh, absolutely. It would be tremendous. You know who's not in that it's photo? a remarkable picture of everyone. You know who's not it's in really that beautiful. photo? The, the man who slowed that whole day down. Uncle Guy. 
Uncle Guy was already back at the hotel at that point, probably. Here's, here's <laughs> the shirt. Let's get a one shot of the shirt. The great, the great master shirt. There it is. Have you worn this There's since the bottom of it. I that have, day? I have worn it since that day. I have. I, I love this shirt. I, I've not changed my opinion. What has been the, the common? Re, you know, we know that we hate it. But what, <laughs> what's the common review from people on the shirt? Like just just people that like you would go to shirts, people by. don't comment on your clothes. But I'm saying like wear. it's 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 a shirt that's really generated a lot of interest. So clearly, other people in your life have to have an I opinion on the shirt. I think it generated a lot of interest based on the fact that I wore it to the Masters, That's, and you right. guys thought it was too much for the Masters. You know, I'm not a fan of it just in life in general. It's not just a <laughs> Masters thing. Like, but I'm not a big uh, short sleeve button up guy, so I admit that I'm biased against. I was that, for a long time look. not a fan of the short sleeve button up, and then I think fashion changed, and it became a more popular kind of shirt. And I moved towards that fashion. I, I bought it specifically for my 25th. I bought this and another shirt of the same brand and variety in a different pattern as blue and white uh, for my 25th college reunion. And I wore them to yeah, It fits to the New background York very well. well. I think it, it spices things up. Should this be a year-round addition to the studio is what you're saying? <laughs> just a permanent? Just always around? Then, then every once in a while I'll take it home and I want to wear it out that night? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. right. Hey, get it uh, washed and get it dry cleaned, bring it back in? Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360. We can communicate with you that way. And free, we want to communicate. Free on Twitter says, could Gonzaga go independent? It would kill their chance at an automatic bid, but they could set a new precedent in college basketball and choosing who games. they play. They're Why do you get need to go independent? They were just the number the one overall season. seed in the tournament. There's nothing free. wrong with Gonzaga. And there's, there's, everything's working out great for them. They need to change nothing. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with their schedule. They either. want to win last night's people, game. That's people all they want to make change. their schedule an issue because they ran into a buzzsaw that just happens to be in this year maybe one of the all-time greatest college basketball but teams let's like this. consider them. this suggestion. If you're independent during conference season, who the hell are you playing? <laughs> Everybody's playing their conference yeah, schedule. Yeah, they have you an allotted conference schedule. So you'd have to play a team that's like, yeah, we're willing to play Gonzaga on a Tuesday and then our conference game on a Wednesday. Which is nobody. <laughs> just filling in ga gas where you can't. Nobody's no one's taking do that. that game. Were people screaming for UNLV to get out of the Big West <laughs> when they were dominating? Uh, this is, is a this very a, small uh, percentage of people who are making noise on Twitter Paul, I, and getting I, too I, much attention like we tend to do all the time. I do I, it too. I do it too. You see the tweet, it annoys you. Some people amplify it. It annoys you further. This cannot be a widespread feel. Well, I feel it's, like it's a couple be. people who have some volume and we've got to catch ourselves and tamp it down. I, I all the time do this. Well, I feel like you would be more angry with this because this is very much an SEC, SEC type take. Your schedule is weaker I, I'm than mine. I'm angry with that. You've just taken the lead. Yeah, but I, that's, that's part of this is, uh, you know, my conference is better than your conference, so you don't deserve anything, even if it's clear that you're better than every team in my conference. Yeah, if, this, if these are SEC people crying, it's ridiculous. Shut up. Big Ten people too. Shut up. Get to, go get to the final yourself. And get pounded by Baylor and then talk. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's the, the I don't think it's just uh, I think it's Power Five yeah. that are that are mentioning this. But still, I mean, shouldn't we? I mean, I, I love the fact that I, I love the fact that I can hold Middle Tennessee State accountable for being terrible at basketball. Power when you five. look at the Conference USA schedule that they play, and then you look at the way the college basketball tournament works out. And you see that non-Power 5 schools can go on a run and play a high elite level of tournament basketball. Power 5's There's job. There's an expectation to meet now, and I love it, across pa the board. Power 5's job is to cry about North Texas and Oral Roberts, and you should shut up on that. Yes. But you certainly can't cry about the Zags going to the national championship as the number one seed in the entire tournament. As a team that was number one in the country for most, if not all, I, of well, the season. Let's go back. It's not. It's not even to me. Uh, it, it's. It's trying to find a reason to hate Gonzaga the way we hate Duke or North Carolina or Kentucky. Yeah, it's, you just not can't do it. That it's, it's tough to. <laughs> even Timmy is is tough well, to is hate. It, I mean, what is it about for me? And he's the antagonist. I mean, and who hates Mark Few? No one. Like I, there I, are people that hate Coach K. And there are other coaches I, who I hate, hate Coach it. K. I, I don't know a single coach that I've ever heard say a single bad thing yeah. about Mark Few. Mark Few and Scott Drew are playing pickleball together. 
the entire time in, in well, Indianapolis. Got Drew. To to coaches Idaho hate Scott Drew because he's uh, the headlines years ago was negative recruiting. They hated the fact yeah. that he was coming up with some stories to negative recruit. They didn't think it was the proper way to go about things within their conference, um, considering some of the recruits they were landing. <laughs> and uh, uh, you can at least point to that with Scott Drew. With, with few, uh, it's hard to point to anything negative about that guy. I don't. I'm sure you can find some things with this recruiting that people I don't. would say yeah. behind the scenes, but you can do that with every program. I just don't get, I, I don't understand. There are times where I can understand the hate of something. Yeah. And I can find the way, okay, this is why someone doesn't like it. If you're not a St. Mary's fan or a San Francisco <laughs> fan or another West Coast Conference alum, I don't know how anyone could hate this Gonzaga team or not give them their due. They haven't won a national title. I mean, Mark Few would tell you that's the only step left in front. They've been to two national championship games. They've been to multiple Final Fours. They've gotten multiple number one seeds. They almost had an undefeated season. Yep. They need to win a national title. I mean, there's, there's no way around it to truly cement them as an all-time great program. But, I mean, are they elite right now? And also this, this whole concept of elite. You know, people are saying, well, this, 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 this doesn't define as elite. I said, well, then y- y- elite to you is like one program. Like, okay, North Carolina is the only elite program in America, if that's how you define elite. Or UCLA, because the titles they won. That's the only one. It's just, yes, they're elite. I mean, this is not a controversial stance with them. It's a a non-story that's gotten some wind here. um, That It's not a thing. It's born out of jealousy, like a lot of of these stories are. Well, Looking at the, the the odds for next year already, Gonzaga favored to win the national title in Vegas. Number two is UCLA. So, yep. Chad, they've gone with the greatest game we've ever seen <laughs> and the two uh, competitors for number one and number two to begin the season. People watched that Saturday night and said, okay, that's it. Crown them. Yep. They're both They're the done. best. They can't get any better than that. Let's get a rematch. They're number board. one and two next year. There's still a lot of things to happen uh, in that transfer portal this year. There are some big names that have already been deciding to go elsewhere. Baylor and Scott Drew have been very successful over the years with transfers also. So there's, there's some big additions to come uh, that's going to shape the national landscape next year. Big trade in the NFL yesterday. The Panthers trading for Sam Darnold, uh, which – signified two things yesterday. First, they are not in the running for Deshaun Watson. That's the first thing I thought of. The the Deshaun Watson trade aspect of this is completely gone. They were the team that was being mentioned. I think the the Dolphins and one other team, Paul, are still monitoring what's going on in Houston. But Carolina was at the top of that list. They're out of that. Number two. The Jets are still there if if it could come to fruition, if uh, if things settle down, but things aren't settling down. Uh, number two, they don't think, I, I think a lot of people looked at the trade and thought, oh, this is Carolina not wanting Mac Jones. I saw that trade and thought, they don't think Mac Jones will be there. Oh, I, I agree. Uh, they, we, know, not we, getting... know, we know the top three picks are quarterbacks. Yeah. And they're drafting ninth. Somebody will be ahead of them. If they're not already ahead of them, somebody will get ahead of them or they would have to trade up. I also think it's just forestalling it. Look, they see Darnold working with Brady as having a chance to be really good. And if he's not, then they've pushed back the quarterback thing. So yeah, Matt gave, Rule and Joe Brady. Yeah, so they gave Bridgewater a chance, didn't yeah. work out. He's either an expensive backup or you get out of that. I think they'll draft a, a young guy in the, later. Maybe you draft a young guy later. Uh you know, Kellen Mond, whoever, you, you, uh, you give it a good full go with Darnold. Sure. And if it doesn't work, it, maybe you resurface for Deshaun Watson if that thing settles down when he's actually tradable for again. Or you're, you know, dealing up next year to go get the top quarterback or, or in two years. It's remarkable what's gone on. You and I were, were exchanging texts yesterday and and Albert Breer took a while to get this right Chad they're the last season from which the first round quarterbacks all remain with their team is 2020 
Wow. The entire first round group. So all split up except for the 2020 draft of last year. There is a top first round quarterback from every draft that's done within two years. There's no patience with that first round quarterback. And also some of them, I mean, are just dead misses. Do you think Haskins deserve more time? But more than just that. It's a miss. I mean, two seasons. It's too short. But he's also a miss. And here's no, he's a, I agree, but right. I'm saying within two seasons, part of that, too, is a coaching change right. within all that. And what, what have we seen happen? There's a willingness when you bring in Cliff Kingsbury to say, hey, I, I might like Josh Rosen, but, boy, Kyler Murray's attractive. We're drafting high again. So let's get rid of him. We're just going to scrap mm-hmm. the high pick and go with another high pick. This is happening in the league in a way that it never happened before. But Darnold is a chief example. We spent a one on Darnold, but here we are, new regime. We've got the second overall pick. We're drafting a quarterback, and we're shipping this guy out. And he might sixth, turn out uh, to I, be, well, and two twos, right? Or, a, a second and a third future. Yeah. I also think it speaks to the— Which is a terrible haul, but boy, you dev- I mean, I'm saying it's not a terrible haul. Look how far we've come. You know, you're turning the number—what was Darnold? The sixth pick or— I, I can't remember. Higher than that, yeah. I think he but he's like, a fir- third. Maybe. Yeah, two or three. So you're turning that in two years into a collection right. of lower picks. The devalue, the fast devaluation of that pick is, I mean, it's lightning fast. Well, it, it, it goes to show, though, when you draft a quarterback high, you don't have much time to make that work. And if it doesn't work quickly... In many cases, you're gone. You're fired. You better have the coach right on the front end of it. So you can't have Adam Gase managing that guy. You've got to have the right coach first. And what an upgrade for Sam Darnold, going from Adam Gase to now going for Matt Rule and Joe Brady. I mean, he's got to have the weight of the world off his shoulders. I would think so. He's got a chance. It also speaks. And if they hit, if they hit, we talk about the resources you spend to get a quarterback. I mean, if Sam Darnold's a hit, that, that, group of draft picks that you're talking about that they just gave up for him that's a steal yeah, absolutely i mean that's comparable it's not as good but it's comparable to what the titans gave up for ryan Tannehill. this though is where i don't fully buy into and i think mac jones is a good player and obviously had a great season in alabama i don't buy into the greatness of mac jones as much as the greatness for the need of quarterbacks it's when you're trying to weigh that is mac jones great or is the need for quarterbacks so great in a draft that someone who's not great is elevated to a top five pick or top ten pick simply because he happens to be the next quarterback oh, on the list, yeah. and you got to go get a quarterback. Well, that absolutely elevates him. But the fact of the matter is, if he goes to, if he's the pick in San Francisco and he goes there and he plays well, then he's absolutely worth the. But third you see pick. my point. I don't think he's going to yeah, be the pick in San Francisco, but I, I think it's going to be Trey either. Lance. But point being, <laughs> you've got this good. group, and it's not. Are we saying this is a great quarterback group, or are we saying? This is a team with a great quarterback need in the draft. You score them These up. are a group of teams that have great quarterback needs, and that's why it's going to be a quarterback group that slots high, even though there's not true no, greatness I, I'm with you. outside of two or three guys. I think it's just trending that way. You've got to get them. You've got to get them. You go up there. You give it a try. If, you, if he's not the right guy, you keep going and giving it a try. You try to get the quarterback any way you can, anyhow, until you find him. We had a caller at one point who suggested you just draft a quarterback with every pick because the position is that important. you got to hit on one of them. So why not just draft a quarterback with every selection you have in the draft as a team and then hope to get one of them right? He wanted no other players no on players. the team. No players. It's all quarterbacks. And the draft starts at number four now. You know, a few weeks ago we were thinking the draft started at two with the Jets. Yeah. Uh, now it starts at four with Atlanta and what they could do because they're going to field offers now. You're, if you want to move up in the draft, you have to move up to four. You can't move up any higher. Uh, those teams ahead of Atlanta know exactly what they're doing, um, except for San Francisco, but they have a sense of what they're doing and why they traded to number two behind New York. Um, Atlanta can field calls now, and you can have a team that will unload more picks to move up to go get their quarterback. Maybe Mac Jones. But you have to love Lance and Jones if you're moving the four, right? You have to love them both because sure. you don't know which one's there for you. Or the, the same way I think when Atlanta, I mean, when when uh, San Francisco went to three, uh, you have to love two guys because you're not 
positive what the Jets are doing. The Jets are probably taking Wilson, but they could conceivably take Lance. So you have to love both those guys, I think, if you're San Francisco. Now, if you go to four, you have to love both, or is Atlanta taking one of them? Um, or does Atlanta consider offers not just for quarterback, for, but for the best non-quarterback? Maybe a team wants to get ahead of Cincinnati at five for the offensive tackle in Sewell. Or, or does Atlanta say, look, I'll move back to let you take the quarterback, but get me the fifth pick because I want to take the best non-quarterback in the, in the league. You know, we've already seen kind of a three-way trade yeah. with Philadelphia involved with the San Francisco and Miami. The pre-draft movement this year has been nuts. Yeah, and oftentimes it doesn't happen until draft week. And it hasn't included day. pick number one. Yeah. It's the, the, the first selection has been a foregone conclusion for two years. Whoever ended up with the number one overall pick for Trevor Lawrence was getting Trevor Lawrence. I, I want to pick back up on what you said, though, Chad, because it does bother me a little bit. And I'm going back to Jay Cutler's year, all right? Because when Jay Cutler was drafted and he went, I think, 11th to Denver, does that sound 10th, right? I think. I mean, I thought, and I remember Frank Wycheck. But maybe 11. I, I, was, I was on Frank <laughs> Wycheck's show at that time. The fourth quarterback. And he was saying, you know, if you like Jay Cutler and you have the fourth or fifth pick, take him fourth or fifth. And I argued with him, he's not worth fourth or fifth. I mean, you've got to value him against what the league thinks he's worth and take him there. And I still believe that. It should work that way. But that's out the window kind of to what you're saying. Like now it is. If you need the quarterback, it doesn't matter if he's worth the fourth pick. If you don't have the, the quarterback. The league dictates you have to go get him with the fourth pick. No, the job dictates. You will be fired if you don't get the quarterback. Well, right, that's the league now. You the get offensive fired tackle isn't going to help you at all as much as that quarterback. If you don't have the quarterback that everyone thinks can be the guy. Right. Yeah. But if that quarterback, either that quarterback saves your job or you're out of the job in two years when he's not the guy. That's why you have to draft him. You, you, you're you forced to, to do it because if you, if you take him and you miss, you're fired. If you don't have that guy, you're fired. Yeah. You know? It's a lose-lose. I mean, unless the guy's good. And I'm not convinced. I mean, there's no way all four of these guys are good. It's more likely that one of them's good. If you had, if you had to bet right now on all four of them being at least serviceable NFL starters no, of or one not. of them, I mean, uh, you're betting one of them, right? Yeah, but that, that's obvious based on the stat you just threw out about the first-round quarterbacks not being together and for two a, years. A class. I mean, that, that's the easiest bet in FanDuel history. Uh, will these four quarterbacks work out collectively for more than two years? The answer is no. Uh, the, the question, though, is are, let, let's keep in mind Shanahan. Shanahan and what San Francisco just did. Traded up to three, not to two, to get the quarterback after Lawrence. Traded the three. They've got two guys in mind. Like They're guys. saying that there's at least three quarterbacks that are going they to hit. They think they're going to make it. Because we know Lawrence. They, they love Lawrence. Everyone, Everyone loves Trevor loves Lawrence. Him. Beyond that, they're saying the next two guys on our list are going to hit, and we're going to take one of them. Now, let's look at the job security. That's, that's unusual in itself. Right. Let's look at the job security, uh, picking up on that, of, of the first four, all right? So, uh, Jets, you got a new head coach, and he's starting with a new quarterback. So, you're, yep. you're on the same clock there, at least. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and same thing with Urban Meyer. I, I leave it out, number one, because we know Lawrence, nobody's going to get criticized for having picked Lawrence. Right. And it's Urban Meyer who's a new head coach. Uh, Selah, new head coach, starting with a new quarterback. His GM's been in place for a little bit in Douglas. So you go to three. Shanahan is safe. I mean, he's going to be a long-term head coach. He's not going to lose his job over this pick. And Lynch is his minion, right? Lynch is doing what Shanahan wants. Lynch was hired by Shanahan pretty much. So I see a lot of job security there also for Shanahan. I don't know. Huh? I don't know that you can say that about anyone. I don't know what a lot of job security is anymore. Yeah, I mean, you have if, to win. If this, if this two out of three badly, years, you better have a winning record. He'll be gone just like anyone else. Not that one Super Bowl trip. It's not going to save him for that long. I think if they if, make a bad pick. I, quarterback. I, I think if Shanahan tanks with this, he'll get another job. Yeah, he might get another job. Right, but I'm but saying that's not he, job security. Okay. It's not job security. But not with San Francisco. You get my point. He's not. I I think Shanahan is an NFL coach who's going to be an NFL coach for a while. Arthur Smith at four, just starting out, right. we don't know. But he's got a veteran quarterback who's going to be his starter this year. 
And then you jump to the next quarterback team who just made a deal is Carolina, um, who's desperately searching but still also in the very early stages, uh, who I think it's worth taking a crack with Darnold at that cost. Well, and with Watson off your radar now. Right. And then I'd go to Washington as a team to discuss. I mean, I think I, I got a lot of faith in Rivera. I like the direction Washington's heading. It's in a bad division now. They don't have a quarterback answer, but they've made a lot of moves everywhere else that have them going in the right direction. A defensive-minded football team, um, you know, I think they're making the right calls on who isn't their quarterback, right? which is part of it. Paul, you once did a story on Pac-Man Jones, speaking of high draft picks, and how much money he spent at a restaurant. You know, I think it's in the same range as what we're about to talk about. I think I think it was that. <laughs> so same it was number. a high tab, and uh, there was a, a group in Nashville this past weekend that spent a lot of money as well. Will Chad be impressed? We'll have that coming up. Outkick 360 rolls on. Oh, so what's the most you've ever spent on a bar tab? There's a. Uh, uh, two brothers recently in Nashville that went to Dirk's Bentley's Whiskey Row. Let's let well, let's re reframe it. It's two bros. Two bros. These are two bros. Not not, not just brothers. They're both biological oh, okay. brothers and they're Tobias bros. Brother. Bros. Yes. So if you scroll up, you'll see the amount. Uh, it's over seventeen thousand dollars. Seventeen thousand eight hundred seventy-four dollars and some change. Seventy-four cents. Uh, because they left it unpaid on Sunday morning at Dirk Bentley's Whiskey Row. How do you run up a bar tab like that without, and Chad, you asked this question. That was a four-hour span. Without having, without having a card on file. So they're twin brothers. They're 20, it was their 24th birthday bash, right? Uh, there's some real malpractice going on with the bar staff at Dirk's Bentley's. 24th birthday, they're from L.A.? I think, and they sure, wanted that looks their like goals. It. They stated to cops, to the cops, they wanted to go viral, and they wanted verification on Instagram, and they said that this party would be legendary. So that and was, it was. Didn't they also uh, brag about spending five grand more at a different place right before that? Well, it was like a three-day bender. This was like forty grand total. Right? Forty grand total. And yeah. they, well, all they wanted to do and is get said, verified. And they said, "Why did you leave this open?" Like, well. We didn't, we actually paid some of it. We paid five grand earlier at a different location. They want to get well, verified. You got, you guys were, uh, you guys were confused as to how two people could do this. And I'm thinking, like, it's really not question. that hard if you just open up your half of the bar to everyone who wants a shot over and over. I mean, I, I think it's just two guys that are acting like they're big time and they're Drink bringing everyone me. over to the bar, getting shots, getting different drinks, ordering apps. Food on me. <laughs> it's all. It's a huge feast. I mean, but you I'd can like get that. Be a a lesson to everyone out there that wants a blue check mark, that this is not the route to go to get verified. I, I think there are simpler ways. I think if you took the seventeen grand to the Twitter verification department, that would be a simpler path. <laughs> uh, the story. The story's from scoopnashville.com. Uh, here's the birthday Scoop, invite. Scoop, there it is. <laughs> Jared and I, the the Baez twins. Jared and I. Hold have on, a, did the did the uh, the son or the father write this article? We need to find that out first, just to so uh, Paul's not confused. This is from Jacob. Sounds like a son. <laughs> yeah, a son. Good. I was a little uh, slow on the uptake. We'll call him Jacob. Jacob and Jared. Uh, I have a table tonight at Whiskey Row section. At Whiskey Row section, come to Whiskey Row. I have a table. Let's celebrate. Twins' birthday. Hit me up. Ten thirty. We arriving to Whiskey Row. Call me. We arriving. We arriving. <laughs> Grammatically not perfect, yeah. but not shocking. Uh, it's not my that fandom way. is sinking fast from these guys. Um, so uh, yeah, we're, a bunch of people just showed up and got on their tab. Uh, we're the Baez twins of Nashville, and stay tuned. We're going to be all over the news. We're a, we're a legend for what we did today. We're going to get verified on Instagram now. We want everyone to know we're the biggest believers in God. Wow. Great shout out to God. Yeah. They were probably praying when they were in prison, awaiting bond. What an unbelievable post. Uh, well, There's just so many different things. Amazing story from Scoop Nash. So many different things to dissect in that post. The, 
we're the biggest believers in God, just opening up to what everyone. Was it right follows before them. that, the legend. Yeah, also, to identify themselves, we are the Baez brothers of Nashville. Like, the twins. It's like old. some old timey, you know, criminal outfit. <laughs> oh, well, you've, uh, you've, you've upset the Baez brothers of Nashville. <laughs> now hell will rain down upon you. What else you got? got the more. twins told Scoop Nashville, Whiskey Row, they showed us up. I gave respect to Whiskey Row big time. They threw the biggest party. It was the biggest party we had. So many bottles. The DJ got bottles. About five other tables got bottles. We got some stuff coming to us later. And then later the quote goes on and says, that wasn't the only party we were at. The night before we dropped four grand and more before that it was basically a three day event. In total we spent $40,000 in three days downtown. But he's bragging what was about LA? The money. Here's what I got confused. The quote: "What was LA is now Nashville." <laughs> Here's the funny thing, though. He's bragging about dropping so forty thousand dollars, but then he really didn't drop hardly anything because they didn't have the money. Well, so I'm bragging about spending the money, except for the part where I didn't have any money. Well, I thought that the punchline was going to be that they thought everything was being comp because they're the Baez brothers <laughs> of Nashville. And they're such celebrities. Like the way he made it sound was, boy, they really hooked us up at Whiskey Row. We're bringing bottles for us and the next table. And the, the DJ, did they think that they were just free? Who's going to take care of this bill? Final quote. I mean, I, I want these guys in studio. They didn't know what was up. Legit, we proved our point in Nashville. You got to be prepared because if you're not prepared for us to come and drop 40 G's on two tables, get ready. <laughs> they didn't know what was up. This is like the April Fool's joke. Yeah. Like they didn't know what was up. That, that when you fool people with something completely believable, we ordered food and drinks, and they thought we were going to pay for it. Yeah. Jokes on you. Chad, Scoop Nashville interrupted the quote at this point. Uh, to Jacob to note that Whiskey Row would dispute that they were paid any of the $40,000 he claims to have spent, which he responded, quote, that's confidential. They can't talk about that or release that information. Oh. <laughs> yes, they can. Can I address my camera? Okay, <laughs> uh, this message is specifically to the Baez brothers of Nashville or anyone affiliated with this outfit. If you can, get in touch with these brothers or bros, as I like to say, and get them to come in studio at Blackbird Studios with us on Outkick 360. We must make this happen. We need a, an exclusive interview. Scoop Nashville. Scoop, there it is. Not a big enough outfit to properly cover this story. We want you in studio for at least 45 minutes where we can break down not just the Whiskey Row experience, but the full weekend of festivities. We want to do it all right here on Outkick 360. Buy us, brothers. We want you on this show. Thank you. Come to camera one next. Baez Brothers, look what we have. Ooh, paid for already. <laughs> Bottles. Bottle service. Redemption. We'll give you redemption. Bottle service. No charge. We'll even, we'll even pop this open, which is very expensive. One of these right here would have been about one-fourteenth of your way <laughs> to your tab at Whiskey Row. This bell mead bourbon. Uh, by the way, they, they posted $5,000 bond. And Where'd they get that? Uh, through Binkley Bonding, <laughs> and um, each charged with felony theft of services. They we can find yeah, them. They're guys. not available. We can find them in court June fourth. That's when we can go and. David, we need to send you out on June fourth, please. We need a court report. <laughs> what, can we go live from outside the courtroom? We're going live to Vinnie Politan in Court yeah. TV. With, uh, innocent, let's go over there. innocent. The Baez brothers are innocent. <laughs> we got a little news, we'll news a, boy coming out with the news. <laughs> let's, let's take a pedal tavern over there. We'll ring the bell. Innocent. We just get an update. Free the Baez brothers. The bartender is now taking the stand. We'll testify next. Let's listen in live. <laughs> coming up, the uh, Tennessee Power Hour on Outkick 360.